0: Fear is often at the root of some of, if not all of your challenges with anxiety, worry, or letting go. It's hard to move forward, even when you're so sure leaving that job or relationship or even community is the right thing to do when fear is holding us back. Hey, I'm Deanna. Thank you for joining me on the Hide Apart podcast this week. It's great to have your company. Today, Laura Dingman joins me on the program as we explore how we can truly put our trust in a God who knows and sees all. Our past mistakes, present concerns, and future successes. Her new six-week devotional series, This I Know, is available now.
1: Um, so, the Bible study, this I know, is really for anyone who is kind of looking at their future and wondering what it holds, which is pretty much pretty much anyone, um, if you have any kind of anxiety as you look um, toward the future. And I know it's really was born out of a pers- my own personal story um, with looking ahead and actually was birthed in the pages of my personal journal, uh, my prayer journal with God, and um, just one day was writing out. All the things that I didn't know, questions that I had forgotten, just sensed the Holy Spirit whisper um, to me, okay, Laura, I hear what you don't know. Um, Tell me what you do know. And as I sat for a moment and quiet with Him and just allowed things to settle, I started thinking about the things that I really did know, and all of them pointed back to characteristics of who God was. So I knew that He was faithful. Um, he had always been faithful in the past. I knew that he loved me. Um, I know that he, um, Is for me. And so I just wrote, you know, a couple of pages of the things that I did know. And that became a practice in my own personal life that really started to calm um, the anxiety and the fear that I had when I looked at the future.
0: Can you tell me more about this story um, or this journey that you've been on when you faced your own crisis of faith or maybe you faced a fear from lack of control in Mm -hmm. your life? What brought you back on track? Can you tell me more about that experience and what happened
1: to you? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, I think a lot of times, all of us, and this is the way it was with me, I, my mind can get ahead of me, and um, I think in the culture that we live in, um, if you are watching a lot of social media feeds or um, I was watching a lot of news and seeing all the things that were happening um, around me and even just the brokenness that I was experiencing around me in my church, my friends who were struggling with cancer diagnoses or um, broken marriages or addiction, and um, just wrestling with kind of where is God in all of this and um, is he still even in is he still even in control and on the throne and um, at times kind of got to a place where um, just the anxiety would overtake kind of overtake me and I would end up just in a place where really wasn't the brightest joyful most triumphant (laughs) victorious place and so really just the um, this practice of of Remembering who God is, and then also just spending time in His Word to be reminded of, really, of who who He is, what He has done, um, the kind of triumphant, victorious God that He is, and also that He is with us in our brokenness. Um, That was always has been, um, and still is, just a comfort to me. the The name Emmanuel, that God is with us um, in the midst of our struggles and our trials, and um, that has just been a personal. personal comfort for me for sure.
0: You're not alone though, Laura, because quite often I think sometimes on a Sunday it might be you rock up and everything looks glossy and from the platform and everything seems glossy mm-hmm. and everyone's wearing their Sunday best. And even of course with, you know, Instagram and social media is great for a lot of things. It isn't necessarily all that great about making us feel good about ourselves because again, it's a snapshot of someone's right. life. It's like, I've taken a hundred photos and this is the best one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we put that forward and, and it's like, this is this is kind of what life needs to look like but actually life doesn't look like that most of the time and I think we can can be fearful that things aren't going to work out or that my life doesn't look as together as the person next to me. So it's all a bit wobbly. How can we find God though, and find, our, find confidence in, in our day-to-day situations, as you've just been talking about? Because every day people you know, do face really difficult diagnoses like cancer, but that might be sort of on the bigger scale. But obviously every right. day we might be facing financial challenges or issues in our relationship, and we still need to overcome
1: fear and find our confidence. Mm, absolutely. I think um, two things have helped me. One of one of them is remembering who I am, um, and that is, that's based in who God says I am, um, not what other people say that I am, not what my circumstances say that I am, not who I am in comparison to all of those snapshots that I see scrolling through my Instagram, um, but who God says that I am, that He says that I am chosen, He says that um, I am loved. Um, not because of what I do, but because of how He crafted and created me. And so I remember that I am who He says that I am. And then the second piece of that is to whom it is I belong. So I belong to the God who created the universe and who is holding all things together and in the study there's a week 3 we talk about the cornerstone and is is jesus really the cornerstone of your life and you know there a cornerstone is a really interesting architectural feature that where um, it can either be this first stone that is set in the building and then everything else is built around that stone um, or it can also be like in Roman architecture that keystone or capstone that holds everything together where everything rests on Christ himself um, and when we start to put other things in that so if I'm if I'm struggling with finances but finances are the thing that are the capstone there those things aren't made to hold everything and so if I've put put a relationship in that particular place, or I put, um, you know, just m- even controlling the outcomes and in, in the circumstances that I'm in, or even my health or my job or my family in that place, none of those things were created or crafted to hold and sustain everything. But that's who Christ is. Um, he's the creator and sustainer of the universe, and so He is made to hold the weight of everything. And so, when we start to place things um other things in the place that was meant for him, then that's kind of when it starts to um, starts to feel a little wobbly, and I think I think there's a a bit of a tension that we have to manage. Where you know Christ said very clearly that in this world that we would have trouble, um, and that but he didn't just say that. That wasn't what he said. There was a a but in the middle of the sentence. Um, but take heart, I have overcome the world, and um, he is the one who is our sustainer and also is very aware with our grief and our sorrow and our pain and our suffering and so we can rest in the fact that he he is with us in all of those things as well
0: circling back to something you mentioned just earlier knowing who you are in mm-hmm. Christ. Obviously, you've taken all these I am kind of verses from the Bible and from Scripture. And it sounds like it's a very positive thing to do to be mindful of, to really um, delve into the Bible and figure out who God says you are. Repeat that back to yourself. Let your ears hear what your mouth's saying. Write it mm-hmm. down. Stick it on the wall. How is this kind of thing that you're talking about different to what some people might just call positive affirmation and mm. taking a holistic approach?
1: Yeah. Yeah. When, when I think about positive affirmation, I think a little bit about wishful thinking. Um, you know, this is what I'm trying to become, or um, and really what we're doing, we're, we're claiming or pro, really proclaiming, walking into or stepping into what God has already said we are um, as, as His children. And so, we're really stepping into who into an identity that was crafted for us from the beginning. Um, When um, Psalm 139 talks about how God knit us together in our mother's wombs and how He has carefully crafted us and um, uniquely designed every single one of us. And so the things that He says... Because oh, he is our creator, he, the things he says about us are true, and so we're 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 not. This isn't just a wishful thinking, or this isn't just if I think about this enough, or if I repeat this enough, that this is what will be true of me. You know, this is what the God of the universe, who is the creator creator who crafted you and designed you so uniquely and carefully, with all of your flaws with all of your imperfections, still says, even with your flaws, you are loved. Even with your imperfections, I see you, and I know you, and you are mine. And those are the differences. I think a lot of times when we're saying positive affirmations, we're trying to erase or um, kind of erase the imperfections or move past. There's still a bit of perfection in mind, I think. Um, So when we remove that out of the way and just rest in the fact that God loves us as we are, um, but at the same time desires for us to grow in Him— and and walks with us as we do that. It's such a beautiful picture of of a loving father who um, who welcomes us into his family, but then also guides and lovingly disciplines us on the way as as he helps us to grow.
0: Laura, how did you come to faith?
1: Well, I actually I grew up in a Christian home. I was very blessed, um, very blessed for that. I was actually baptized when I was eight years old. I kind of always had a sense of who God was. Um, but then, when I went to college, uh, my freshman year of college um, it really kind of was the first year where my faith became my own. I think a lot of what I had, um, what I had done. I was a very, I was a good girl growing up. Um, you know, straight A student in school and very. Um, just I did the right things and um, so when I went to college it was kind of my first experience of being able to make my own decisions not in my parents house and I made a lot of choices that I wish I hadn't made but I remember very distinctly being in um, my dorm room uh, in the spring of that year and just feeling completely empty Um, and Really experiencing what it meant to be without God for the first time in my life, and um, and I, I luckily, I think not even luckily, but God just blessed me with His presence, and I knew what I was missing because I had already been introduced to Him, and so, but it was difficult to come back because I think I knew already knew beforehand you know, what I, how I was supposed to behave, I suppose, and wasn't. And then, um, and then it was kind of a long journey. I would say, um, after that, probably 10 or 15 years of just slow conversion, and releasing perfectionism, I'm a recovering perfectionist, <laughs> and um, and just stepping into grace and learning that you know I could not earn my own salvation by the good works that I did, um, and that God loved me as I as I am, and um, and just embracing the 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 truth really that I am a beloved daughter of the King. And that was a slow, that was definitely a slow work for me.
0: To have an understanding though, to have a um, real just perception of God is not with me in this situation. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of the time we, you maybe feel like you're under a cloud and you're not really sure which way is up and which way is left, which way is right.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it feels a bit foggy, but to actually have an understanding of, I don't think God is actually with me right now. I need to repent. I need to reconcile yeah. again with him. That's quite an incredible space to be in, actually. Um, yeah. What advice would you have for somebody else who perhaps is in a situation where they feel like, do you know what? I'm, I'm pretty confident God's not with me right now. I don't yeah. really know what I'm supposed yeah. to do about that.
1: Yeah. I would say first and foremost, he, he is with you um, you may not be aware of his presence. Um, God is always with us. I think he pursues us. Um, and there is again Psalm one thirty nine talks about how darkness is not dark to him. And so there's nowhere there's nowhere we can go that is away from his presence. Um, but what we can do is shut ourselves off from seeing him, feeling him, knowing that he's there. And so I would say he's not far. Um, he's not far from you. And when a lot of times I think he's, you know, he's, a, he, God is a gentleman. I think he doesn't break doors down. He knocks on them. And so, um, all it takes is for you to open the door and to cry out and to say, um, God, I need you. And I know you are there. Will you show yourself to me and, and just and wait for him and he will come. Um, that's the, I think the, That fog is very common. I think sometimes that even happens when we're walking with God and um, He seems silent at times. Um, God is just, He's always, always present.
0: God is a gentleman. That's interesting. <laughs> no, but I haven't heard that before. That's a nice way of putting it. It's a very romantic way of putting it, how he pursues us.
1: It, yes, yeah. Well, and I think there are so many pictures of who God is in the Bible. I mean, he's also, I mean, he's a fierce warrior. I mean, we see that in throughout the Old Testament, we see that in Revelation. But when it comes to our relationship with him, um, he's not, he's just not, he's not going to force us. That's just not what he does. And um, he's very and Invitational, and I, th- I think when um, when we think about love, really, nobody wants to. No one's going to really love a person who tries to force it, and <laughs> just doesn't. You can't will a person to love you, which is why we have why we have free will. Why God gives us the opportunity to choose Him? Um, because what kind of relationship would it be if we didn't actually choose Him? And so that's I think that's just the. Kind of the picture that of God that I've seen so many times, um, and His kind. I mean, we know Scripture says that His kindness is what leads us to repentance. Um, he's not a shaming God. He actually came to take our shame, not to give shame. And so, it's important too that we know. Um, I think I think it's easy for us to make God in an image of a person that we know or we've seen, or even collected you know little p- bits and pieces of other relationships, and then we end up constructing this image of God that isn't necessarily um, an accurate picture of who God is, especially if we've grown up in maybe homes where we had difficult relationships with our fathers, or we've had difficult, um, you know, just difficult relationships for people who are nurturing for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. you're a creative arts director as well and have been for a number of times for a rather large church in Indianapolis in the States. And you, met, you referenced Psalms earlier, which, you know, is something we would come to know and expect from a praise and worship leader. That's always good. <laughs> How has worship and praise helped you overcome mm. fear? How does it make a real difference when we're talking yeah. about um, finding our confidence and having an, an assured future?
1: Yeah. So one of the weeks in the study is in um 2nd Chronicles 20 where Jehoshaphat and the army um, goes against um against two nations that are coming after them and I love the picture that he gives he says this amazing prayer and at the end of the prayer he just says we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you and all throughout the story worship is the central piece of what's happening and as they go into battle they actually position the worshipers on the front line so all of the Levites and the priests and the people who are singing um, the hymns and psalms to God are all on the front line so they don't put Put all of their infantry first, they put their worshipers first and um, and that's how they go into battle. and I love that picture because I think that I think when we have fears when we have anxiety what we have to remember is that's not of God. Um, the scripture says that we are to fear God, but the Hebrew word for that means that we would have a reverence and an awe for him, really that it would stir this deep sense of of just wonder at his majesty, um, and not that we would be fearful as we, as we know it, um, in a human sense. And so really fear and anxiety are of the enemy. And, and so we're in a battle when we're fighting against those things. And I think worship, what it does is it puts words. Um, I once heard, um, I was in a workshop with Aaron Nequist and he was talking about how worship, and um, a lot of times we have to have words that help form us kind of like if your child, um, if you have a toddler and you're teaching them, um, teaching them, you have to consistently tell them to say please and thank you because it's not natural. Those are not normal words that they would say, and so we have to consistently tell them to say them. We have to put those words on their lips. And so in worship, what happens is sometimes we may be singing words that we don't quite believe yet um, with everything that is in us. But what they're doing is they're forming us. They're actually we're actually s- reminding ourselves of what is true, what is true about God, what is true of. About us, what is true about His church, um, and what's true about His story. And so, as we continue um, to worship, it actually forms us and changes us, and it may not be quickly. You know, you're not going to maybe sometimes sing a song once and be different, <laughs> but over time, as we continue to worship, it's that kind of frontline battle where um, not only are we fighting against the fear and the anxiety and um, just even just the principalities that come against us? But also we're um, we're being formed by the words and our, our thoughts are being formed. And so now we have new words, new language um, that we can replace some of those old fears and anxieties with.
0: And this is such a generation that faces anxiety more than any generation from what it sounds like from all the studies that have come before so much to um, concern with in terms of like a very unknown future in terms of economics and political and you know the environment and everything's quite sort of for this generation like looking ahead to very much everything is unknown is kind of how it feels Um, and and even like the job spectrum's changed people don't necessarily just get a job out of school or out of university anymore they're building their own careers because Mm -hmm. for some they have to it's harder to get in the building. There are less jobs in their chosen field or or whatever it is. So let me ask you, what do you know now that you didn't know in your 20s that you wish you knew?
1: Oh, gosh. That's like – that's a really long – that would be a really can long – You give me one, though, it. and then we can, we <laughs> yeah. can class it as no, advice I, for someone else. Yeah, I think the um, – I think the first thing, and it do, and it's gonna sound trite, but it's so true. And I, and I say it from the depth of my. I mean, just this comes from my gut. Is it's really going to be okay? Um, and I think that. Um, I mean, the hopes and dreams that I had. I mean, my husband and I, we went through, and our story is in the study. Um, but we went through a horrible. Um, season of infertility and a a horrific adoption loss that, um, was, that really just broke, broke us open and, um, was never what we dreamed. I mean, when we said I do on our wedding day, that is not what the plan was. That was not what the dream was. And, um, And I can stand on this side of it, you know, 13 years after that happened and almost 20 years of marriage and look at my 12-year-old daughter who we've had the privilege of adopting and um, I can look at the way God wrote my story and I can tell you without a doubt that it was way better than anything I had ever planned. And I think we want we plan because we're afraid of what's going to come, and um, a lot of times things have to be broken before they can be mended. And um, the we, but we just don't want to go through the breaking, and it's hard. But even in the midst of that, even when calamity comes, God comes with it. He comes in after it. He comes in the midst of it and he he's all about resurrecting things and we can't have resurrection if there isn't a death involved. And so I would say always choose resurrection, whatever that means. And that's how I know it's going to be okay because that's what God is doing. He's redeeming and restoring absolutely everything.
0: Thank you for sharing some of your story. I mean, life is so uncertain, and it really sounds like through some of your own uncertainty and your own self-study. And I think I think that's the thing we forget, though. Like you've, this book is, or this um, study guide, I should say, this Bible study, six weeks Bible study has obviously come out of real life experiences for you. But I think sometimes we forget that. We look at the person, who, whether it's uh, a mom or an auntie, or whether it's the pastor on the platform at church or someone in, you know celebrity or whatever it is. And you can kind of look at their life and just think that you, that they've got it made or they've managed Mm -hmm. or you kind of want what they've got. And I think you really don't, because if you saw what they had to go through to get there, you might be put off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes back to, to the snapshots on social media, you know, and our, the, the hard parts of our stories aren't meant for consumption by the whole world. But I think all of us have to remember that everyone carries a bit of that with them. Um, That's just the way of humanity. And it doesn't, it's, you know, we were made for Eden. I think that's the other thing. You know, we, our hearts long for, um, our hearts long for heaven. And in that, we know that this isn't, this isn't right. You know, where we are isn't, isn't what we were really made for. Um, But I think in the midst of that, it's hard sometimes to remember that God is still God. And I know too, I mean, I remember, um, taking a class once and the, the um, professor saying something about, you know, if you walk into the room and I tell you to, to look for red, that's what you're going to see. Or if I say, you know, to look for blue, that's what you will see. And so, what we choose to dwell on and what we look for is what we will find. And I think about Philippians that says, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, think about these things. And so, we have the choice as to where we're going to dwell. Are we going to abide with Christ, and are we going to um, dwell with Him and think on those things that are lovely and good? And I think the practice of gratitude is huge um, in battling fear and anxiety, If um, and it's really as a practice, because it's not our default to just be grateful, and just to take time, really take time, whether it's daily, weekly, I mean, I think if you're really battling fear and anxiety, a daily practice of gratitude is a really, really important important thing um, to just even sit down before bed and just write down five to ten things you're really grateful for and in the beginning it may be hard um, to do that and that's okay I mean maybe you end up with two or three things and that's all right that's why it's a practice you get better at it as you go but then you start to notice them the more you do it you start to notice it more during the day and that gratitude starts to change our perspective
0: Gratitude. Okay, noted. I've written that down. I get involved in gratitude every night before bed. Um, let me ask you as well. We're gonna we're gonna need to um, wrap up soon, but before we do, I mean, you've written this six week study guide. This I know for obviously for groups. You can do it with friends. You can do it in a church group. But also, if you're in a stage where maybe you don't have a close group of friends that you can do a Bible study with or you'd simply like to explore these things on your own, you can. You can totally do the study of God on your own. So what advice would you have um, for creating a healthy habit of spending time with God that actually sticks mm. or personal
1: study time? How do we go about doing that? Yeah, I think the f- the first thing is set aside time. And then the second thing is be graceful with yourself when you don't make it there. Um, you know, I think a lot of times that's where that's my as a recovering perfectionist, that's my best advice. <laughs> start over after you miss. Um, I think a lot of times that's what happens with us. We, you know, we do really, really well and we meet with God a couple of times. And I would just find, you know, maybe you're not in a season of life where you have a lot of quiet space. Um, find the most quiet you can find. And even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, God will meet you there. Um, and even if it's five to start with, God will still meet you there. And um, just spend that time. And I would pick the day, the time of day that is that you're, you feel best about. Um, For me, that's morning, I'm more alert in the morning than I am before bed, I'm usually too tired, um, and would fall asleep in the middle of praying, you know, at night and So I think just finding that. And then when you miss, you know, if you miss a couple of days, don't just give up on it. Just go back and meet with God. And He's going to be waiting. And He's not going to say, well, geez, I can't believe you didn't make it the last couple of days. You know, that's just not the way that He is. He'll be delighted that you're there regardless.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. Really good advice indeed. Let me ask you, in the last few moments we have together, um, In those times when we doubt our future, because we have those moments and sometimes they hit us like rocks, just all of a sudden, very quickly, you've had some disappointing news or you get fired from a job or somebody um, puts criticism on you that you weren't expecting and all of a sudden you're doubting your future, you're doubting God's presence um, in your circumstance. What should we be mindful of in those moments, particularly when they take us off guard?
1: Hmm. I would say, um, be kind to yourself. I think I had a spiritual director that, um, said that to me once. And the, the first time the words landed on me, they were, uh, I really didn't quite understand what she meant, what she meant to be honest. Um, but I think when that happens, we, what we do is we expect ourselves to, to be put back together really quickly. And, uh, a lot of times it, it takes, it takes some space to heal, so be kind to yourself as you heal. Um, healing is important work, and it takes it takes time. If anyone who's had a surgery or a wound that needed healing knows that if you rush the process, you actually do more damage. And so, taking time and space to allow God to do His work. And and being kind with yourself as he does it. Um, there's a, a week in week five. I talk about how um, regardless, God is good, and so just remembering that God is good even in the hard the hard moments. Um, but I think too, and that He is with us in it, and that He doesn't have an expectation that you would just you know pull yourself back together and get back to it. So um, I think that's that's what I would would recommend.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Laura, for your time. This, I know, a six-week Bible study is available now from Moody Publishers, and I'm pretty sure everyone's going to race out and get it. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Laura Dingman for speaking with us. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into her devotional series, Definitely Key, I think, to tackle issues around anxiety, whatever the cause may be. You can pick up This I Know Now wherever good books are sold, and I'll be back soon with more conversations, so be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on what's to come. Thanks for listening.